Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Candid and Cringe, a podcast about growth and the roller coaster of life. So, July is coming up. That is a big birthday month. That is the month of the birth of my mom, my man. That's mom in Vietnamese. Technically, there's a whole bunch of other ways that you can say mom in Vietnamese, like ma. Um, but for my family, it was Matt. A couple months ago in March, I did a special commemorative birthday episode for my dad for his birthday. Uh, of course, to make it fair, we got to do one to commemorate my mom. As you might have heard in previous episodes, I'm not sure. I probably didn't talk about it at length, but for those who don't know, both my parents passed away in the summer of 2018. I remember them often and I want to cheat death for myself and for my parents by putting something forever in a way out on the internet. And this is how I'm going to do that for my mom. We're going to have a similar structure to the episode that I did for my dad, which is roughly, you know, what kind of person was she? My memories of her. Um, and that's basically the bulk of the episode because there's a lot of mems. There's a lot of mems. That's the abbreviated version for memories. All right. So what, let's start with, uh, what kind of person was my mom? My mom, so her name was Ngop. People have never been able to say it. It's spelled N-G-O-C, but it's pronounced more like N-G-A-U-P. Ngop. My partner can sort of say the name. Um, he's pretty good when you say the name right after I say the name, when he's he says my name, or he says her name right after I say her name. But if you just ask him unprompted, it's probably going to get butchered. But makes sense. People in the West, especially, they aren't used to the sounds that the Vietnamese language makes, or just generally tonal languages, period. But her name was Ngop. When she died, I don't think she was 50 yet. No, she was under 50. So it's really weird to think of it as, wow, like if it was her birthday this year, she would be over 50. That's like really bizarre for me. Um, But long may she rest, you know, long may she rest. She, like my dad, was born in Vietnam. She was born in the South. And my dad was born slash raised and grew up in the north so you can kind of it's kind of like this uh when i think of them being born in different areas of vietnam i think like wow was there any like regional drama and stuff like that but the most prominent way that the differences between where both my parents grew up uh appears in my life was the language because there's different ways that you say things in the in the north, like using northern Vietnamese um, versus using southern Vietnamese. So she was born in the south. My mom was, maybe she wouldn't describe it this way, but this is my podcast, so I'm going to describe it how I want. She was abandoned by her parents, okay? And left to be raised by 
her grandma, who she loved very much. She was raised by her grandma, you know. I think she was real pretty when she was young. Got all the got all the men going after her, trying to get her heart. But, you know, she was doing her thing. Then at some point in her, you know, adole- early adolescent years, like I'm talking probably around the age of 18. I can't remember exactly. But uh, she decided to take the risk and leave. And her stories leaving are some of the greatest stories I've ever heard about, like the refugees journey, the immigrants journey from their origin country to a country that they have a better, they have a much better chance of having a good life. But the one of the most interesting parts of her refugee immigrant story is just like coordinating leaving the country without being found. Like I'm talking about sneaking in the bushes to the boats using flashlight signs, you know, like Morse code type of style in order to coordinate like when it's a good time to go, that type of stuff. And then finally going, spending time in a refugee camp, waiting, waiting, waiting for some country to accept you as a legal immigrant um, and then finally having Canada take her in, you know, Canada took her in, um, and she ended up getting moved to Alberta, Alberta. I've never actually visited the city that she was moved to, but I have been to Alberta. Um, love the mountains out there, but she moved to Alberta. <laughs> the way that she said Alberta was just, you know, use, using, a language that doesn't have the same sounds as English. She would say Alberta as Alberta, Alberta. Very cute. But she, uh, you know, spent her, I would say around her early 20s there, learning English and so on and so forth. I think also becoming religious because that was one of the promises that she made to the universe, that if she made it across the ocean safe and sound... And to another country in search of freedom that she would become religious. And she did. Not like the most mega religious person ever, but, you know, religious. After some time in Alberta, she found her way to Ontario. I think someone that she was friends with in the refugee camp was, you know, got to immigrate to Ontario and encouraged her you know, via letters, I want to say, because it was real old school back then, to come to Ontario. And long story short, she was able to get there. And it was in Ontario where she met my dad. It's so weird. I I, I, I have so much to say about her as an individual, but I just think I, I, I know so many things about her that it's just impossible to mention her love story with my dad. But not it's, this episode is not about their love story, but just like very briefly, that's where she met him. Like, imagine two people fleeing a country, never having met before in that country, coincidentally in, immigrating to the same other country, and then eventually meeting each other. And it's somehow working out amongst all the other people. I don't know why I'm getting emotional. It's so weird. <laughs> Amongst all the people that you could date, you end up together. Like, that's wild. Anyways, and then yada, yada, yada. 
I was born, firstborn child, bestest kid, me. And that's how, you know, that's how her story coincides with my story. My birth. Very strong woman, strong faith, kind, warm, beautiful woman. So now on to my memories of her. I have so many, so many. In the episode with my dad, a lot of my memories with him were kind of like random, like backyard stuff, stuff about his work because he was, you know, a businessman Um, and kind of like the tussles that we had as like both headstrong people trying to understand each other. My memories of my mom are very warm, very fun throughout my life, throughout my school, throughout my phases of life. And they're just so random and beautiful. I can't wait to share it with you. All right. There's a, the rough order is like from when I was young until now, but uh, some things might be out of order. One of the earliest memories that I have of her was her making my grade school lunches. I mean, she made lunch for me in high school, too, and in university. Uh, but the grade school lunches are where it's at. So I grew up eating like hot dogs and bologna. Shout out to Schneider's. If you want to sponsor this, if you find this someday, big Schneider's fan. It's not good for you, but big Schneider's fan. We Schneider's bologna and Schneider's hot dogs, red hot wieners or whatever you call them, staples in our household. Uh, I ate them all the way through grade school, high school and university. Uh, I remember my mom like adding ketchup to those sandwiches, like bologna. I think that's where my love of ketchup and bologna came from. It was my mom. She stuck ketchup in my bologna sandwich and it's been the best thing ever. And I will not take slander against ketchup and bologna. But small memory is I remember her like putting ketchup on my bologna with a spoon and like spreading it around with a spoon. I don't know. I just remember the sensation of looking at her do that and even uh, doing it myself when I tried to make my own bologna sandwiches. She also, I don't know where this came from. I don't know if it was a her suggestion or a me suggestion, but there was a time period during grade school where instead of packing a lunch, she would make it fresh and then bring it just in time for lunch. Like, like for example, lunchtime, you either around lunchtime, I would just poke my head to look at the doorway of the classroom and there she is bending to put the little lunch next to the door and waving or depending on timing, I might like go out there in the hallway and look for her and seeing her come up the stairs with the lunch pail and the hot lunch. I can only assume there was a hot lunch because like it can't be it can't be because it was a sandwich. I think there was a period of time where there was a rice in the lunch which would make sense to like go to all that effort to come with a hot lunch either way i i don't know if i was i can't remember if i was embarrassed about that back in the day again i don't remember where the origins of that like ritual came from but as an adult i think it's i i think of it rather tenderly so many memories revolving around food because she was such a great cook um going to the grocery store with her Growing up, we went to the grocery store with her like 
whatever kid was available, but I feel like I was there all the time. Back in the day, there was like price choppers. I don't think that exists anymore. Price choppers for like more North American produce and food. And then the international grocers after that, it was always like a family affair. You know, some kids would go with my mom to grocery shop. Sometimes my dad would be there and some kids would be at home and we would like go to the grocery store, come home and automatically there was a process. Whoever went to get groceries with my mom, we would transfer groceries to like the front step or like the front door or just inside the front door of the house. And then whatever kid was at home would transfer the, the, those bags to the kitchen. And it was just like consistent time spent together, even though you weren't like talking about anything necessarily. A, lo- a lot of my memories are related to going to the grocery store with her. Um, one such not so great memory, not necessarily for me, but for my sibling was, uh, I was pushing my sibling around in the grocery store, like in the cart. Like, you know how they have the, you can seat a baby or like a little toddler in the little kind of basket near like where you push it. And then there's two holes that the baby or the toddler can stick their feet out. I remember I liked to jump on the grocery carts back in the day. So I would like, I would jump on it to the point where it would tilt, you know, like, like I was pushing it around. I was still in control of it, but I would like stand on one side of the grocery cart so that it would tilt up. And I remember I would get in trouble because it'd be like, you know, your sibling is in the cart. Like, how dare you do that? I mean, totally reasonable, but I was having fun. But again, totally reasonable. At the international grocers, we we haven't always gone to the same international grocers throughout my life. I think the same owners, but they moved to locations, obviously, to expand. But in the very first location, I remember we would go in and there was these bins or bags of dry beans, you know. And I didn't know it then, but I have a term for it now. I think I just liked the ASMR-ness of picking up the beans, like scooping it up and spilling it over very slowly. And I would do that with my hands too. And I would get scolded because it was like, stop touching the beans that people are going to buy, you know? But it made a good sound. So let me touch the beans, ma. Again, along the lines of food, cooking with her. Didn't really like it then, to be very honest. Like I would rather watch TV or do something else, you know, be on the computer consequently i now know how to make things that she used to make that i'm glad to know that i can do you know for example um we were like a fusion household so we we ate a mixture of western food like north american food and vietnamese food and sometimes it would be like vietnamese seasoning but western dish she would make these bomb ass barbecue drumsticks the sauce that she would use was North American, like craft barbecue sauce. That's the only barbecue sauce I would buy. I don't care. I don't care about your Diana's. No, craft. Um, but she would marinate it with, you know, fish sauce, sesame seed oil, and so on. And it wasn't until I started dating my current partner, who is a white, did I realize that the chicken was not seasoned the way a North American person would expect. Not that it was bad, but I remember when 
my partner first ate my mom's drumsticks, he would say like, this is so good, but it tastes Asian. And I'm like, what do you mean it tastes Asian? And it just never occurred to me that it was a different flavor profile than what people would expect. Cause that's all I've ever known. Right. But delicious. Other things that I've learned from my mom, not like via recipe or anything, like anything that I know how to do that she taught me, there's no recipe. There's just vibes. Okay. There's just kind of like a big spoon of that and like a little bit of this and a lot of tasting and a lot of looking. But one of those things um, on the Vietnamese side of things, like very Vietnamese side of things, was uh, spring rolls or more accurately, like those fried beautiful spring rolls with meat, pork in them and shredded carrots and... uh, Thin vermicelli and fish sauce, of course. So delicious. She taught me how to make those. She also taught me how to make her version of fish sauce, like nuk mum, like dipping sauce. Uh, the only way I know how to make that, though, is by looking at it. It's literally like how many ingredients? Let's see. It's sub five ingredients. And you just, you start with water and you add things and you just keep looking at it and you keep tasting it until it tastes right. That's how you make my mom's fish sauce. And that's how basically all of the recipes that, not even recipes, dishes that I know how to make, that's how you make them on Vibes. I remember making or learning how to make broth with her. So I grew up thinking that the type of soup which is really like a broth soup, or I guess broth in general, is not really a soup. It's like you boil vegetables and you eat that plus the broth that it made together. We call it gun, but I always just refer to it as soup when I translate to English. But then when I saw soup like in North America, I was like, that's not really what I thought soup was. Delicious, but just a whole other experience. I remember being taught how to skim, like, like if you were, I don't know if blanching is the right word, broiling, boiling, like pork belly or some other meat. Uh, she taught us how to like skim out like the, I don't even know what to call it, but like you would get like dirty sh- in like a residue from the meat. And you would skim it out. And like, I guess the purpose of that is so that whatever resulting broth there was from the meat would be clear. Um, so an example where that is relevant is when you make pho or pho for the North Americans. But it's actually pho. I don't know how to say it. That's where that would be relevant. But that was like a whole, like you'd have to stand there and look at it and skim it and try to make sure that you didn't take a lot of broth out with you. You just had to take the nasty bits. So my mom was the person that taught us Vietnamese. So she taught us how to, she taught us the alphabet. She taught us how to read. She taught us how to write. She taught us how to spell. She taught us how to, did I say speak already? Like obviously, but not only that, she also taught us, uh, I told you that she was religious, right? She taught us how to pray in Vietnamese. 
But not only that, like we had, we were tested on those prayers. It wasn't just like, let's pray together in Vietnamese then. No, it'd be like, okay, on this day, I'm going to test you on prayer number five now. So we would be chanting, memorizing prayers, and then we're vomiting it out. And I don't even know what the reward was. I think there might have just been only punishment and no reward. But that's how I know prayers in Vietnamese. That's how I know when I go to a giant Vietnamese prayer circle, I can say Vietnamese prayers on autopilot. No problem. One of the cutest things uh, that my mom did, this one I'm very, I, I actually own things still with this special characteristic on it. So she would, I don't know, it probably came from a place of fear. But when we were in grade school, my mom, oh, they might have even asked us to do something like this at school. But, you know, we would get lists of, of items that you had to buy like, oh, these are the school supplies that you need. Make sure your kid gets them. Uh, after we would buy those things, Staples was the jam. That's where you bought stuff. After we bought those things, um, my mom would go ahead and like sew our names into, like if it was like cloth, like a coat or something like that, she would sew our name into the fabric and that's how you knew it was Twee's shirt you know it could have been her way to like like if if two kids in the house had the same type of shirt then you would know that this one's Twee's and this one's so-and-so's um it could be that it's possible that we could have gotten mixed up between kids at school and in order to avoid fights it was like well that's clearly mine because my name's on it it's sewn in I don't know, but she did that. Um, Characteristic of the thread that she would use is white. She might have switched it up. It could have been black for like obviously lighter materials, but the one that really stands out in my mind is white thread. And it didn't just, it wasn't just clothes. I have a suitcase that previously belonged to my dad And on the suitcase is sewn his name. Okay. And that's, that's how I, you know, when people travel, they kind of put something special on their suitcase to like indicate that it's their suitcase. So they don't have to like figure out which black bag is mine. Um, So they'll put like an orange scarf on it or a bajillion stickers or a giant sticker or special tape. For me, I know by looking for the, sewn in name of my dad (laughs) um and it wasn't just sewing too she would oh so we would have color pencils right like the 60 pack or whatever by Crayola she would tape she would tape put tape on every single color pencil and then on that tape like she would use two different tapes like uh I think one's called masking tape like that kind of like uh yellowish tape Um, And then the clear tape. Is there a name for the clear tape? I feel like I'm totally blanking on the tape. Or maybe is that masking tape? Either way, one was clear and one was kind of yellowy. She would first put a little teeny strip of the yellow tape, then write our name on that strip, and then put clear tape on top of that. So you had a protected 
handwritten label on every single one of your 60 color pencils for every single kid. So if you dropped your forest green color pencil and some kid picked it up and tried to say it was yours or it was theirs, nah, that's my color pencil because my name's on it. Oh, you're trying to take my yellow color pencil? Nah, my name's on that one too. That one's really cute. Just because it's it's so it's so extra. It's so extra. But I'm an extra person, so I appreciate thoughtful extra. Mother-daughter relationship, uh, very briefly. So she would always mm, say to me, and I, probably like every kid but my brother, or maybe she did tell him that too. But she would always say to us, like, I'm your mom and you, you know, treat me like your mom, but also I can be your best friend. So whatever secrets you have, you can tell me. And like, I just always thought that was funny because you really think I'm going to tell you my secrets? Come on. Come on. Especially, especially not after, um, one incident. When I was, uh, I want to say I was in grade school. Yeah, grade school. Kind of like almost about to gra- graduate to high school. Um, I kept the dream diary. Okay. I, I thought it would be pretty neat to like keep track of them. So you never forget what kind of cool dreams you got. So I had a little like square book by my bedside that like if I woke up in the middle of the night and I remembered glimpses of my dream, I would, you know, flip to the newest page. I had a little pen and I would write just kind of like names not names, but like, it didn't have to be like a giant paragraph. It was just like, went to the park, saw a bear, hugged it, you know, like that type of thing. Um, so I kept a dream diary, but my mom was a snooper. And I guess I feel like I think of all, <laughs> I think of parents like this in general, but she was snoopy. Um, slash maybe was afraid that I was doing some bad stuff, but either way, snooped and invaded my privacy she opened my dream diary and read it. And like, you know, sometimes I would dream about boys. So I would just be like, um, I don't know. Like, I don't, I didn't know a person named Gary, but like off the top of my head, let's say I dreamt about somebody named Gary. I'd be like, went on a date with Gary, hugged Gary, high fived Gary in my dream diary. And then she read this book and then came to me with this book and was like, who's Gary, you know? And it was so awkward. I was just like, mom, like this is a, this is a dream diary. Like, even if that person is real, nothing happened. Chill. But since then, I just never trusted that I could keep anything safe out in the open with her. Um, so we stopped keeping a dream diary. Even up till this day, I don't have a dream diary. Well, yeah. Actually, when my dream is special, I do write it in my my iPhone notes. But uh, aside from that, I just let it come and go, bask in it very briefly, and move on. But yeah, the dream diary. Uh, did not treat her like a best friend, but she was a great mom. Uh, she talked a lot. She was a real chatterbox, chatterbox to strangers, a chatterbox to people at church, chatterbox to my dad, a chatterbox to us. She just, I think she just loved people. I think she just loved talking. Um, I know that she didn't like the idea of living in the country, which my dad wanted to do someday because he's a very contrary 
quiet, low stress kind of dude. But nah, my mom was like city people going around talking. She left a lot. And she had a high, uh, would I say it's shrill? I guess so. She, she had a high, like shrill laugh. It was actually, it was kind of hot, like huffy, like, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't think I'm doing adjusted, but she would, uh, I think, I think chortling is probably the closest way to describe her laugh. She was a chortler. Um, she also liked to sing. And she wasn't a bad singer, but she was a, she liked to sing with a flourish. So it was kind of embarrassing sometimes. Um, Like, for example, she was in choir uh, for church. Um, Or sometimes, like, you know, we would have, like, little prayer circles in Vietnamese culture. um, And she had, like, a pretty loud voice. But sometimes she would whether in a prayer circle or in the choir, she would want, she would like go for like a sick run, a sick run singing in a group. And it was always kind of embarrassing for me because like, I'm very attuned to my mom's voice. Okay. And when you're in a tiny little 20 person group in a tiny little room and the voice that you hear amongst the crowd is your mom's and she's doing like a, ah, like <laughs> run. It's kind of like, it's, it's a little cringe. It's a little cringe. Again, not because she was bad. It was just kind of like, do you really have to do that? You know? It's not your solo either, you know? You're a group. But it was cute. It was cute. She was especially fun for karaoke. Um, my parents had a 20th anniversary. Yeah, no. 25th? I think it was 25th. I don't think I was 20. Yeah, 25th anniversary um, party. And during that party, my mom and dad went up there and did karaoke together. And lo lo and behold, she did it again. I have a video of my dad just like doing regular singing and my mom crooning. But it was cute. It was cute. Romance was in the air. I have random images of her in my mind, like taking selfies really poorly, even though she's a pretty lady. <laughs> you know, those like boomer parents take selfie, but like tucks in their chin all the way and the angle's really bad like that. Um, I have an image of her in my mind of just taking a midday nap before going to cook for the day. Um... She had slightly annoying quirks, as everybody does, as everybody does. She, I feel confident in saying that she was a compliment fisher. She'd fish for compliments. So let's say she, uh, I don't know, got her hair cut or got her lashes done or she got a new dress or whatever. She would come up to you and be like, so do you notice anything different? And like blink, 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 cute. She was like that. But it was like, it was never, I don't think it was, it never felt disgusting because she was earnest in, she was, she was earnest and she wasn't trying to hide that that's what she was doing, you know? And it would become like a, a thing that we would laugh at after. It wasn't like one of those people 
that tries to get attention but pretends that's not what they're doing like no my mom was like all about honestly doing it she was also somebody who would get pouty if uh we not that we would forget her birthday but like if we didn't say happy birthday to her right in the middle like right at the beginning of the day that she would go around and be like ah nobody forgot i mean nobody remembered my birthday and we would always be like chill chill i just haven't gotten around saying okay chill so she would kind of like be a little bit of like a woe is me um or like let's say we did throw her a surprise party after she would be like i didn't think you guys were gonna do anything and it would be i remember you know getting offended when i was younger because it's like what do you think i am like a shit daughter like you think i don't just don't remember your birthday come on but i think she just she just liked affection i think and she liked to give affection um and i think that's where her warm warmth came from after some odd years uh kind of like in my mid-20s i moved out from my parents house and i remember kind of a shift happening in our interactions where she would get a little sentimental anytime we would interact and just just from little little things like for example um she had this thing where she would get touched, like moved at every li- little, every single little adult thing that I did. So, for example, one time, well, actually, she would always ask me to send her photos like, what are you cooking today? Right. Or I would just naturally text her about it because I would be like, you know, Hey, I want to make your barbecue chicken. Like, what's the temperature got to be? You know, when do I flip it? Um, So she would get very sentimental at those things. Like, moments where it was like, oh my gosh, she's adulting, right? One time, I think, I don't remember if it was for her birthday or it was for my dad's birthday. But there was a year where I made them dinner. Uh, The year that I did it for the first time, anyway. And I remember making my mom's, like my mom's style pork chops, which is like a marinade, you know, involves a marinade that is very Vietnamese slash very Asian. And I remember she ate it and she was like, it tastes very close to mine. And I'm just like, well, yeah, that's how I learned it, lady. (laughs) That's so cute. Another thing was, I'm just now realizing that this is a way happier commemorative video or i guess like podcast than my dad's and i think it's i don't know um different dynamic both full of love but yeah where was i getting to oh the other adult thing that she would get sentimental for so growing up my mom was always the one that wrapped presents in the house like whoever's presents it was whoever's it was from my mom wrapped the presents um and that's how i learned how to wrap presents but like I never wrapped my own presents until like the presents that I was going to give to people until I moved out. Cause what am I going to do? Like take all my presents to my mom and have her wrap them? No. Cause sometimes the present that I would need to wrap was too huge and too fragile to get wrapped at my place and then driven like three hours down to where my parents were. So I, sometimes I would bring the present as is, sneak it into the house, and then wrap it somewhere where the eventual gift owner wouldn't see. 
But one time I was wrapping a present, you know, my mom's style, using my mom's techniques. And <laughs> she came up and like rubbed my back or like patted me on the head, like, good job, my little girl type of way. <laughs> and it was just so like I'm getting emotional again. Um, it was just so like on one part, like, why are you getting so touched? Why are you getting so sentimental? I'm just wrapping a present. And at the same time, kind of like, I guess she's touched because maybe she, she was moved that she taught me that. I don't know. But it was very cute. Um, I get a lot of compliments for how nicely I wrap presents these days. And I gotta say, that's my mama. My mama taught me. My voice is so dumb right now. It's not dumb. I take it back. It's not dumb. It's just cringy. I mean, this is going to come out depressing. And there's truth to it a little bit. But also, I'm saying this was a good thing. In my family, and I want to say in Vietnamese culture, period, like on the whole, we are not a family or a culture where affection is done verbally. You know, like you, we don't, we're let's go around saying I love you, going around giving each other a hug, I love you, bye on the phone, um, complimenting. That's not a thing, you know? The way that we showed love in our family was by being there for each other and like doing things for each other, like acts of service. Um, not because it was anybody's particular particular uh, love language. Maybe some some had that love language, but it was just that the way that it was. And because you barely got complimented, I happen to remember basically the only compliment that i've ever received from my parents slash my dad but relayed me relayed to me through my mom and it was this when twee says she'll do something she will do it so put a different way my parents thought of me as somebody who kept their word um whose word meant something who was maybe reliable so i uh i keep that compliment very close to my heart last two things before we wrap up i am basically going through my notes that i wrote in trello for this episode but uh last two random things were a common a common experience that people say is pretty cringe for them between them and the parents is when you talk about the birds and the bees. That sort of happened with my mom. And when I say sort of, I mean like I started dating my current partner like way back when. And you know, you, you do two and two. We're adults. The only thing that she said to me in the kitchen one day, very randomly, not padded by anything else, just this, she said... Just don't get pregnant. And I was just like, well, gee, thanks for your message. Just like, what a way. Just spitting that out. And uh, I just imagine like a, an awkward person teetering on their heels being like, uh, so, uh, yeah, just don't get pregnant. All right. Neat. Bye. That was the vibe. That was the vibe. 
Um, and the last good thing, the last cute thing is this is the thing that probably permeates my life the most these days is very, it's a sensory memory. Somehow my brain has associated a certain food smell to my mom. And it's a smell that I smell a lot. And every time I get a whiff of it, whether or not I'm the person who's going to be eating it or someone in my vicinity is going to eat it. The smell that reminds me of my mom the most is cucumbers. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I mean, it was like everywhere in our life. It was in, it was in noodle soups. It was eaten by itself. It was stuck into homemade bun mei, like uh, Vietnamese sandwiches. My mom had a special way of peeling them. She would make her own style salad with them. So now every time I smell cucumber, which I have often, I think of her. I think of her. That was my happy birthday, Maya. Happy birthday, mom episode. I have a lot of memories with her. They're all very fun, all very wholesome, I want to say. Even like the cringe birds and the bees thing. Even the dream diary, privacy, violation one. All very wholesome with my mom. I don't think my mom and my mom and I's relationship was ever really tense. She was always like the middle person between me and my dad. She was always the confidant for the kids. So I think of her quite fondly. I am glad that she, my dad was a way more stressed out person than my mom. My mom was pretty easygoing. Not that she was never stressed, but I don't have the sad lament feel sorry for my mom that I have for my dad because my dad was a very stressed out person and a, a, a worry wart and always trying to provide for people so I worry that he passed <laughs> thinking of those worries oh I don't really have that worry for my mom but the thing that breaks my heart about my mom's death is uh, that, that a lot of people don't know is um, when my parents were in, the, in their accident. So they were, they were in a high collision car crash. I can't really say exactly who was at fault for legal reasons, but I think we have an idea based on that vibe whose fault it was but uh my dad died on impact he was in the driver's seat my mom unfortunately did not die on impact unfortunately in the sense that like she there was a period of time where she was in pain you know so i guess the thing that i feel sorry for her for is that uh, she was alive for longer than she needed to be so but she's in a good place now um i guess i didn't really need to add this end part but uh i don't know i you kind of can't have a commemorative episode about your whole life your parent without having a part that makes you cry that was my mom she and i were often mistaken for sisters because she's hella young looking very youthful very beautiful. 
That's my num- number one lady. Best cook ever. Best pho maker. I will not take any slander. No, seriously, like in terms of the slander with a pho, I'm so committed to my mom being the number one pho maker. Like, I, I'm not even saying like for other people, I'm saying like for me, number one pho maker. I remember when my my partner first was about to try my mom's pho. I was like threatening him. I was like, if I swear to God, if you say some sh- like this is not good or this is not the best pho you've ever eaten in your life, you better keep it to yourself. You better keep it to yourself. But apparently he genuinely thinks that she makes the best pho. So it all worked out in the end. But I, uh, oh, I actually just remembered another memory as I was talking about pho. Pho? Very shortly before my parents passed, my mom actually had made pho, pho, and passed it on to myself and my partner because my partner loves pho. Um, kind of like in these like Tupperware containers. So we brought it up sometime shortly after I received that meal in Tupperware, my parents passed, but I had not yet eaten this pho. I think it might've been three weeks later, a month later, uh, we had frozen it cause you know, it was going to be a while. We came across a conundrum. It was like, do I eat, do I eat the last she ever made no because like if i don't eat it it's preserved forever and i mean i guess technically in some day someday would decay but i mean i don't know how long would frozen noodle soup slash broth last eventually we decided to eat it because you know it wasn't gonna last forever we decided to eat it and I took, I think I took photos or a video of me eating the last pho she ever made. And I think there's leftover frozen broth in the freezer still. And like, I realize that that's probably going to die someday soon, but it kind of makes me feel better that there's like remnants of her cooking in the back of my freezer. While at the same time having been able to eat her last pho. So I kind of forgot about that being there until I started talking about her being the best pho maker. That was my mom. My friends thought highly of her when I was growing up. She would randomly give my lady girlfriends costume jewelry as gifts. I doubt any of my friends at the time ever wore them, but it was still very cute. One of my friends had mentioned to me in the last few years that they remember that my mom did that. Uh, she was always very, very approach. She was the, definitely the approachable parent among my two <laughs> parents. She was the best. She was the best. I would definitely say that our family revolved around her. She was the pillar. She was the son. You know. If anyone watched Boruto, you know how uh, Mini Snake Man, basically Orochimaru's uh, son, likes to call, not not Naruto, Boruto his son? Yeah. The son. She was the son. That's it. That was my, this is the real, that's it. Real conclusion to the commemorative episode for my mom. She would be, okay, now I gotta do math. 
she would be 52 in mid-July. By the time this comes out, this should come out the week of my mom's birthday. But happy birthday to you, mom. Happy birthday, Mia, uh, for turning 52. Namihai, you're the best. And I think of you very often. I love you. And I'll see you sometime later in life. Toodaloo, mom, and toodaloo, friends. Thanks. Bye-bye.